0: Welcome back to Get Real, the podcast where we get real about all of our favourite pop culture, films and TV show. And my name is Chris, which backwards spells... And this, this is my co-host Sam. Sam's a great co-host. Sounds like a brother to me. Almost like Sherlock Holmes is a brother to Enola Holmes. <laughs> We're talking about Enola Holmes. I tried to do, like, the whole talk directly to camera type intro. Yeah, I'm I'm Mass, and we got...
1: Ski- <laughs> <laughs> Scare- <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought about that earlier on in the day, and, like, I just absolutely nailed it, and I thought of some other things, and I should have wrote it down, because as soon as I started then, I just forgot what I was going to say.
1: Yeah, I was expecting more like a, a Watson to your Holmes, but... But it's not really a
0: Watson, well, is it? It's a... No, it, this is a Nola's film. Like, I saw plenty of headlines coming out just there, like, oh, the new Sherlock Holmes film is great. Henry Cavill's new Sherlock Holmes film is great. I was like, sorry, um, is it his so, film? Yeah, after watching it, it's a bit like, hmm, uh, is it? He's in three scenes, is he?
1: Yeah, uh, we'll get on to that anyway. We will get on to that. I was uh, just like, that is a clickbait headline if I've ever seen it. Yeah, I mean, I've got some serious thoughts about this. Like, oh, anyway, we've got we've got a, a routine oh. that we've got to follow. Anyway, we've got a routine. So first of all, we need to talk. Any well,
0: I mean, before we talk about news, uh, what have you been watching this week apart from Enola Holmes? Um, what have I been watching? I've I've forgotten everything. What have I been watching? I've been actually watching a lot of like. Um, video essays and stuff like that on youtube about loads of different horror films and stuff like that and one of them actually ties into something that's upcoming which i didn't realize tied together i was watching a video about the bay which is a film that i recently discovered um uh, yeah i'm just i'm getting in the zone for horror films now it's october we're ready for the spookiest season of all Mm -hmm. um been watching uh, been watching quite a bit about the presidential election and the shit show that's going on with them debates and everything yeah. which is hilarious looking from the outside in but also horrifying yeah uh, yeah um, Defo. I heard I... A, I heard an
1: amazing British news correspondent like describe that last uh, little that that very famous debate that they had on TV
0: <laughs> and he was like it's an absolute catastrophe of American <laughs> politics. <laughs> i loved there was there was one news anchor in america that was like it's like a shit show inside of a train wreck inside of a car crash inside of another train wreck <laughs>
1: of course it is because what else were you expecting let's be and, uh, absolutely I think it was, honest
0: i think it was stephen colbert um doing his monologue on the late show afterwards <sighs> and um he was just there like uh, somebody described it as a shit show. First of all, it's an insult to shows and also at least after a shit I normally feel satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, what I was uh, Yeah, um what else have I been watching? Um I have watched something and I've completely forgotten what. I watched some stuff over the weekend. I can't remember. Sam, what have you been watching? Uh so I've continued
1: my uh, venture with The Walking Dead. I've, okay, uh, where are you up to? So, well, basically, Herschel's just had his leg lopped off.
0: Oh yeah, um,
1: and they met. I completely forgot in the prison there was actually people inside the prison as well. Yeah, the prisoners, the ginger fella, and everything. Yeah, like that, wasn't yeah, and it's just introduced the governor. So that's where I've got up to. Man, The okay. Walking Dead moves really quick in the first couple of like first two
0: seasons. It moves so fast. Like, in retrospect, yeah, I remember yeah. watching it and it, like it felt like a bit of like bit of a plot, didn't it? But in retrospect, you're like, holy shit, that was only the first two seasons. Yeah, it's crazy. I think that's why it probably feels like
1: the the later seasons uh, feel like they drag a lot because yeah, it moves so fast. Like you're actually at Herschel's farm for maybe the best part of like three or four episodes before you then move on. And then yeah, it's crazy. I'm at the prison and like I say Herschel's already getting his leg lopped off pretty soon which is like I forgot how early that happens. And then yeah, you've got the governor already, you've got Merle back. I thought it was always like a I mean huge spoilers for the walking dead if you've never
0: watched it. <laughs> but I mean that season's like 6 years old yeah, at this point. It's pretty old by now, but yeah, wow, it moves so fast. So so I'm actually, are you on season 3 now?
1: Uh let me just consult my Amazon Prime for <laughs> you. I'm thinking so, if it's the governor, isn't it? Also, what the hell is going on with Amazon Prime? Because there used to always be a continue watching section and
0: now I can just never oh, find it. No, no, I, I've always had this problem. I think it's one of the worst laid out fucking streaming services there ever is. Right, I'm going to call them out right now even it though me it looks off. just like Netflix. But it's like it's just the, the way that it's organized is is they...
1: really weird. Uh, season they 3, episode 3, by the way. Season 3. Yeah. yeah,
0: So, like, Amazon Prime, they do not structure anything, and, like, the suggestions are just awful, like, and the, they just let anybody upload stuff on there now. There's YouTube videos uh, that appear to be movies, like, you're searching for movies, and it's not, it's just, like, an hour-long YouTube video or something like that. Yeah, that has yeah. been re-uploaded as part of a series, somebody's trying to upload stuff to it, and, like, it's just, like, they just dump stuff on there and lay, leave it to live on there. Like th- like you said, there's no continue watching. Every time that I want to watch a new episode of The Boys every Friday... Boys. like The Boys. <laughs> like <laughs> On Netflix, if you went on and you're on a series and a new episode has just come out, it's the first thing that will come up on that day is like, do you want to watch the brand new episode that dropped out today? It's like, of course I do. Why else am I a- tuning in to Netflix at like nine o'clock on a Friday morning? Or something like that. Yeah, it's like, weird. You have to like but press it it doesn't and every time I go to watch a new episode of the boys, it says that I've completely watched the season. So then I click onto it and it's like, right, okay, do you wanna finish watching the credits from the last episode? I'm like, No it's like mm. do you want to pl- it doesn't say do you want to play the next episode like i need to go searching for the next episode and i'm like this is just not well structured if you get halfway through a film you need to go into the search bar and search for the film again to find it there's no continue watching section
1: yeah it's pretty weird like you have to click on home first to then bring up the watch next it's called but then it's not even at the top you've got your amazon originals your top rated and then it has then your watch next so that's Some, sometimes yeah. for me
0: it's like six things down like you know it'll have like the other channels that they host you know like like shudder uh, i don't think shudder's on there actually uh, but like stars and stuff like that like the ones that you have to pay additional fees for Mm. Like, it'll bring all them channels up first. I'm like, just give me the shit that I'm paying for already. Yeah, it's a bit of a mess. Uh, and, the Hobbit... like, the top row is always stuff that you need to pay extra for. Like, it advertises movies that aren't part of the subscription service.
1: Yeah, that's that's a bit of a problem with it, to be fair. Because you've always got... it always, You always see the things like... Like, I'm scrolling down now and I've got The Lighthouse and The Hunt, right? Which are two, two films that I definitely want to watch. But... Yeah it they're not they're not free they're not part of prime it's just oh by the way they're on amazon you can buy them through amazon if you want but no i've i've got my prime service so that i can stream stuff through prime for free i don't and then yeah. you have this free to me bit that you have to press on so you can see all the things that, oh yeah well anyway um Speaking of Prime, <laughs> I was just having a little look, and you've got uh, you've got Queen and Slim out on Prime Video now. Okay, cool. Which was something that we saw as a trailer last time we went and watched a film that looked pretty good. And also, uh, Queen uh, Queen and Slim was before Knives Out, wasn't it? Uh it may have been. I think I remember it being at our local cinema when we saw it advertised. Yeah,
0: it was. It was a like beginning of the year because. Uh I was thinking of uh, this a second ago. Um what else uh, we talked about the lighthouse that came out at the beginning of the year and still haven't had a chance to see it yet because obviously couldn't go out and buy it anywhere. No. <laughs> and yeah. then it wasn't on it's not been on streaming services. You just told me it's on Amazon Prime to pay for now so I'll probably mm. rent it on there because I really want to watch the lighthouse.
1: Yeah, there's, also, there's quite it's quite a few decent things. I think it's changed it a little bit now so that like a little currency symbol next to the things okay. that you can choose
0: to rent or buy, because it uh, used to just be like you needed to look for the little Prime sticker in the corner, didn't you? And if it yeah, had that, you could watch it for free. I just yeah. don't. I just think it's an awfully laid out streaming service. Yeah, considering how much you're paying for it every month as well. Well, that's it. I mean, you don't
1: you get it as part of your Amazon Prime anyway. So if you're using Amazon Prime, it's probably look. This isn't a di- di- we're not re- reviewing the Amazon Prime <laughs> <laughs> membership.
0: <laughs> on well, here. we just have a few gripes
1: with it. <laughs> we just <laughs> had to get that off our chest. Um, also, back so, to the Walking Dead. <laughs> so yeah, back to the Walking Dead. Yeah, uh, I'm actually quite excited to, for it to get onto the later seasons when you get Negan and stuff because I've actually like. I mean, you look at some of the series out now, and they don't move anywhere near as fast as those first couple of episodes and seasons of The Walking Dead. So I don't know. Maybe whether going back, I might actually find it a little bit more forgiving because maybe I maybe compare the pace to it to with things like Iron Fist and Jessica Jones
0: because I felt like they moved pretty slow. They didn't. Well, move- that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah, like when you started saying it, it's like. The series has sort of progressed from when The Walking Dead started. Like, The Walking Dead sort of hit the peak of, like, when TV and series became, like, the next big thing, didn't they? Like, they were up there with films again after stuff like The Walking Dead and these huge, big budget shows started, like Game of Thrones and stuff. Yeah. Uh, So, The Walking Dead before that was, like, a typical TV show and it had to move at, like, quite a fast pace and do a lot of things to keep people coming back every week. But then you got these bigger budget things. And people sort of became a bit more forgiving of long form storytelling. So mm. then you had like slower seasons of Game of Thrones or uh, different like A list film uh, series and stuff like that. Like you got all the film stars coming back to be in series now because it's a, a bigger narrative and it's told over a longer period of time. And it takes a chance to breathe and stuff, doesn't it? So it's like it's like since the Walking Dead has started, it's sort of changed with the landscape of series.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, I think it's actually I think I'm actually going to quite enjoy revisiting it because I'm almost like yeah, I'm almost a little bit uncomfortable with how fast it's moved. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to go back to it. Uh yeah. other it, thing... was to, it was weird
0: It was weird you saying as well like so that's season 3 and cuz I read the uh, the graphic novels of The Walking Dead, the prison is the third and fourth one. So you're on, just starting season 3 now and you're already into volume 3 and 4 but then later later on like it took like a season to build up to transit and then you add the season with transit it took a season to build up to negan then you add a season with negan it's like you're it's like you're going through like three big plot points already is the first season then getting and the, the center for disease control and that, then, that's
1: yeah. That's that's episode like episode three, four. Yeah, that that's, um, that's fast. That's like the end of season
0: one. Is the CDC? Yeah. Um, and then you've got um the farm, like you said, and then you've got um whatever the town is that the governor's from and the prison all at the same time. Like, and that's happened in basically two seasons because mm-hmm. you're at the beginning of season three, and like that. Each would take, like, six seasons in modern Walking Day stories, like yeah. episodes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, crazy. Something that I've not started watching, but I'm actually quite interested in checking out, is Utopia, which is the new Rain Wilson series on Amazon Prime as well. Yeah.
0: So there's already been a version of this on British TV. I think it was Channel 4 and E4 put it out a few years ago. Mm. Um, and I saw a bit of that, and it is a really interesting concept. So I am excited to check that out. That's on Amazon as well, is it? Amazon's got some great stuff coming up in the next couple of months. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about of the, some of that stuff in trailers. Of the, uh,
1: a lot of the streaming services are doing pretty well at the moment because there's not a lot coming out in terms of cinema releases. It's probably a good time for the streaming services to kind of plant the, you know, some of the you know, things like Enola Homes and stuff
0: like that, I guess. Um, I think a lot of the ones that are coming out as well were probably filmed for cinema and stuff like that, but... Obviously, um, uh, production companies and stuff have piled money into it and they need to get the money back to fund the next lot of projects and everything. So they're selling them off to um, streaming services as well. Like stuff that says it'll, it'll be like a Netflix original or an Amazon original. It's like it wasn't intended that way, but they've bought it. So they're airing it as that. Yeah. So they're, they're basically buying the film off them to then put on their streaming service. So I think that's why we're getting a lot of like these big like films that would typically only be in cinemas
1: Mm. plus uh rain wilson's in this from the office and yeah i really like him so yeah
0: i've got i've got like a a chili seed in the back of my throat and i can feel it just like (laughs) turning away (laughs) what did you have for dinner uh we had a chili beef stir fry Ooh, Um, very nice I, yeah, it was really nice, like a Korean stir-fry, but I've just got, like, I can feel, like, a chilli seed in the back of my throat, and it's just, uh, the more I'm talking, the hotter it's getting. <laughs>
1: well, I'll take over with a little bit of news then and let you kind of <laughs>
0: let, let you chill a little bit. Try to wash
1: it out. <laughs> so, uh, there's quite a... Bit in terms of movie news and casting before we move on to the the main topic. So I don't know whether you want me to kick off or whether there's something that you want to talk about Do first. It. right? Kick so off. So let me have a real quick look at the old news wagon. Uh, so news wagon. Don't know where that came from. Uh, first thing <laughs> is Samuel L. Jackson signs on for a Nick Fury series on Disney Plus.
0: Yes, I I've been. Watching so much shit about this. Yes, 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 yes. A lot of people, I don't know if this is what it says in your article, that you've got a theorizing it could be like the spiritual successor to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and being Agents of S.W.O.R.D. Ah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's it. where we know his story is at the moment um, and it could possibly sow the seeds for maybe the next Avengers film being a secret invasion or something like that because we've already got the scrolls being implanted inside our societies. Yeah, but I mean, for something like that,
1: I imagine it would probably have to be more of like a limited series to set up something for the films. I think, I don't know whether this is going to be a bit like the Nick Fury file. I know the Nick Fury files of something that we've already got, which is kind of like talking about all the different superheroes. I don't know whether this is going to be kind of like like an Adventures of thing, maybe, which just shows him being a bit more... Grounded. I don't know, but we don't really tend to get Samuel L. Jackson in anything TV. You he just tends to be
0: with films, doesn't he? So, quite excited for this. I tell. Excuse me. Um, I tell you what. I did watch actually. I just remembered. Um, I thought I that was. Called, uh,
1: excuse me. He was in this TV series. That's what. Well,
0: I well, he was. It was a BBC series that it's been filmed over webcams during a uh, lockdown. I think it was called Staged with um, Michael Sheen. And not Michael Sheen, what's his name? Yeah, David Tennant in. Um, and uh, let me double check his name. It's not Michael Sheen, is it?
1: It was, it was Michael
0: Sheen. It's just Sheen spelt differently from the other Michael Sheen. Okay. Um yeah. It's got Michael Sheen in it. Um, and they basically, they're meant to be in a stage production together and obviously covid hit so they took the rehearsals online and stuff like that and it's just two like actors struggling with lockdown and letting their egos get in the way so they put play, it basically playing alternate like heightened versions of themselves and samuel jackson's in that he appears in it uh, oh, he was okay, meant cool. to have the role that Ma- uh, michael sheen gets so him and david tennant are giving some back and forth Interesting. Um, Snyder, Justice
1: League reshoots to feature Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, Ray Fisher, uh, Henry Cavill. But Henry Cavill came out to say that he wasn't going to be part of the reshoots. Yeah. Um, we, we didn't cover this he... last week,
0: but it's kind of old news, I guess. It's be- apparently because the uh, filming conflicts with The Witcher Season 2 being back in production. Which is exciting. Which is exciting. So either they're going to dodge around Superman or people were saying instead of just having a CGI mouth, we're going to have an entirely CGI Superman Very <laughs> in good. those scenes where you can't shoot. <laughs> I um, mean, don't, don't have your glass half
1: full. You may as well just <laughs> totally, totally CG. It'll probably come out better, to be
0: fair, than the yeah. CGI moustache face. Um, Or just shoot around him, you know what I mean, if you have to. Because like, Superman had so much of the film shot that didn't make it into that version like they reshot everything with Superman mm-hmm. so they've got enough Superman there surely
1: yeah probably probably but I like how the story was is that this was going to cost Warner Brothers like I don't know what was it like 20 20 million to yeah the do it.
0: new budget is what like 70? 70 million?
1: yeah I think it's getting up to 70 uh, there's a lot of casting news this week which will kind of roll into one I guess because I guess uh, it makes more sense to cover off the casting in in one little bit. Uh, yeah, I've got some other news. So Avatar two officially wraps filming,
0: filming being the key word there. It's wrapped. Yep, up filming. <laughs> uh, so we've... and the f- the filming is what like two percent of the film. The rest of it's all
1: CGI. So <laughs> yeah, literally. So it's kind of crazy to think how much of this has actually been shot and kept quite under wraps. I know we've seen some behind the scenes footage but our photos sorry of the underwater filming that they've done but we've kind of not seen
0: too much from the whole avatar production camp Uh, i think they they do have the benefit of like the filming that they're going to be doing it is in mocap suits largely so it's all going to be on sound stages and stuff like that it's all going to be in sealed off like sets it's not so much as like we always get leaks from marvel films and other films from like street photos and behind the scenes photos that like the paparazzi have taken and stuff haven't they yeah so because it's all gonna be shot basically inside of a warehouse Mm. like they have got the privacy of that and anybody that leaks it on the set will probably get fired and it's one of the biggest movies that'll ever come out so they don't want to get fired
1: i've got a quote here from james cameron regarding the filming of Avatar 2. And I find this really interesting. So we lost about four and a half months of production as part of the virus. As a result of that, we've rolled around one more full year for a release of December in 2020. 2022, sorry, not 2020. Yeah. Um, that's being announced already. Now, that doesn't mean I have an extra year to finish the film because the day we deliver Avatar 2, we'll just start working on finishing Avatar 3. So where we are right now, I'm down in New Zealand. New Zealand shooting. We're shooting the remainder of the live action. We've got about ten percent left to go. We're a hundred percent complete on Avatar two, and we're sort of ninety five percent complete on Avatar three.
0: What? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But was, so we've. This has been like a, like common knowledge for a while that they were shooting at least two of them back to back. Um. So clearly they were able to just roll filming from one into the other. Yeah, Because then to. obviously most of the work and most of the time is going to be spent on CG and editing because obviously they'll have to CG most of the shots to then edit into the shots and everything. So that's where the bulk of the Avatar process will come in, won't it? Yeah. Not so much on set um, because it, those films are basically CGI for two hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, uh, so yeah it it sounds really weird and bizarre hearing that, but it it makes sense when you start to break it down in your head about how they actually produce these things.
1: It's just weird to hear like the Avatar three is ninety five percent done, yeah,
0: and we've not seen Avatar two yet. But that's just like principal
1: photography, isn't it? Like, yeah, and let's face it, the Avatar films are probably about. 30% Thirty percent principal photography, and then the rest of it's all effects and yeah. Wow. Well, that's the thing. Like,
0: like the lead actor from the last one is now a Navi as well, so it's just you him in even... a ping pong suit yeah. pretending to swim. You don't and, even. And, need... and the rest is done in post. You don't even need the actor for it, really. I'm going to be fascinated to see the behind the scenes of this, though, because obviously they're doing. Motion capture stuff, but they're doing it actually in a water tank, aren't they? To get the water and the swimming, like, realistic. Mm. Which is, I like, is... kind of mind-blowing that, like... So we've gone from the point of CGI being terrible, like... the Like, say, in the late 90s, to then the leaps and bounds that happened with, say, Lord of the Rings, especially with Gollum and being, like, a fully CG character and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then... The whole Imaginarium stuff with Andy Circus and motion tracking and everything like that, and that's got to a point now where it's flawless near enough to them being able to do that underwater.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Like
0: the Avatar films for me, like like the story is hit and miss, but just the sheer creative filmmaking side of it, like the behind the scenes, is what's the the most fascinating like i would go to the cinema and watch a two-hour behind the scenes of the film rather than seeing the film yeah yeah for
1: sure for sure
0: uh, like it's one of those films where you do take the time to watch the bonus features on the dvd yeah
1: definitely have you got any more general snooze before we move on to casting
0: news um general snooze news i snooze do news um okay first things first Mulan is moving to other streaming services starting next week uh so starting Tuesday October 6th it's going to be available on Amazon Prime video voodoo and Fandango now cool. um I, I think prime video is the only one available in the UK it's gonna be the same price that it is to rent on Disney plus so it's gonna be thirty dollars in the US or I'm gonna guess 20 pounds in the UK yep. Yeah. So hopefully that'll help the numbers for it a lot more and help it reach a wider audience and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's good that it's finally going to get a bigger audience now. So um, Yeah, definitely. And definitely. I think they were limiting themselves just having it on Disney Plus as well anyway. Yeah. Cause certain, I don't think every country now has Disney Plus yet. So Does it not? It is what it is. Does it not have I Disney Plus don't, Plus? I don't think so. I think obviously the main countries for streaming services do, but like every country has Netflix now. But I don't think every single country around the world will have uh, Disney Plus.
1: Okay, interesting.
0: Or at least not their version of it. They might be like using a different country's version of it. I don't think it's fully localized everywhere. I Mm. might be wrong about that. Let us know. Um, The Lion King Two has been announced. Okay, um, with Barry Jenkins directing it. Interesting. Um, instead of John Favreau. Uh Barry Jenkins of course uh, has been moonlight uh, if Beale Street could talk and stuff like that. He's been doing a lot of amazing work lately. Um, mm. uh, there was something else came out about Barry, yeah, Barry Jenkins a couple of weeks ago. Another film that he's working on. I think we might have spoke about it on the podcast but I can't remember now. It's evading my memory. But Lion King 2 I still haven't seen the other one um what what
1: do you mean you've not seen the other one you've not seen the latest live action well I say live action
0: no because I really liked the original and I was just like everyone was just saying it was soulless and everything like that I was like yeah I'm not gonna was
1: but it
0: was definitely (laughs) like amazing to watch
1: like, it was it was incredible just to see how far it had pushed CGI.
0: Okay. I'll uh, I'll, I'll yeah. definitely check it out at some point. It's on Disney Plus now. Like, I, do, I don't need to pay an extra fee to watch it now, so I'm, yeah. I'm more inclined to watch it. Well, you Although have to watch I did it. go back and watch the animated version a couple of months ago. <laughs>
1: yeah, but you, when you watch the latest version of The Lion King, and I don't know whether listeners would agree, but you have to, like, put out your mind. You have to recognise the fact that it is a little bit soulless because, obviously, you know, you're not seeing much expression in any of the animals' faces. But Mm -hmm. it is a a good film. It is really, like, amazing looking. So, yeah, I'd say it's definitely worth watching, man. You should definitely go give it a watch.
0: Okay. No, I'm not opposed to watching it. I was just like... I don't really feel the need to go and... You better go um, give it a
1: fucking watch, Chris. <laughs>
0: like I, I was just like, oh, well, I might not go and pay to watch it. You know what I mean? Um, okay. Uh, the Godfather... I, don't what, I don't know what you mean, Chris. I pay to watch all my films. <laughs> no, but I meant like, especially because when it came out, Disney Plus was already on the horizon and everything like that. So. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus, so. isn't it? It is now, yeah, so...
1: There you go. I'll
0: check it out on there. Yeah. Um, the Godfather 3 is getting re-released with the director's cut, and they're changing the name of it? Why? So it's not going to be called The Godfather Part 3 anymore. It's going to be called The Godfather Coder, The Death of Michael Corleone.
1: Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> Why? Why, like, fifth, uh, 45? Six years after the film originally released? I think that's the right maths. Is it? Yeah, Yeah, 46 years after the original release, they need to change the name of it, but... Does it need They are doing it. It's getting a director's cut, which is interesting, although this is definitely the least well-received out of all of the Godfather films. Mm. Mm. Maybe the director's cut's going to be a lot better. We'll find out. Maybe they'll cut out some of the horrific acting from... um, uh coppola's daughter what's uh sophia coppola because i remember some of her acting being awful in it i Um, need to have you you seen any of the godfathers no no right why am i on a film look i've not watched i feel like this is something we discuss like every year is like oh mate we just need to sit down and watch the godfather films i feel like that would be a really good episode is like you watching the godfather films for the first time and we just discuss the trilogy. And just, like, see what you think now being... We're both 25 now. It's 2020. These films have been out for, like, the original came out over 50 years ago. And I'll tell you what the story was. (laughs) Exactly. Like, see (laughs) how you feel. Like, obviously, you've seen it being referenced in everything. Like, it's just a part of pop culture now. Like, people know The Godfather. You know The Godfather, but you've never seen The Godfather. So that'll be an interesting... Yeah, you got like, the
1: references. I know the references, and I know, <laughs>
0: you know, you, you know. Come to me on this, the day of my daughter's wedding. Yeah, <laughs> you know the quotes, like, but you, you've never seen it. Like, oh, the Godfather Part Two, man. f oh, oh,
1: it does fantastic. get very mixed up in my head between the Godfather and uh, Scarface, though. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, just Al Pacino. Every Al Pacino role just rolls into one in your head. He's I just playing just, Scarface in yeah, every film. i have just like absolutely
1: <laughs> lost the uh the fucking respect for all the listeners that we have that are into like their. Our uh, listenership
0: has just died. Like yeah, they're just gone. Sorry about that. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny though. Like at, at least like. At least it was two films with Al Pacino in. It wasn't just there, like you know. I always get the Godfather and Star Wars mixed up, you know. Well, at least I'm being
1: honest about it, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could be one of those people that just like lies about having watched the Godfather films, like, and they're just there, like, oh yeah, I've definitely sat through like like eight hours worth of the Godfather. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> nah, I'll just be honest and be like, yeah, never seen it. <laughs> like, I I watched these films for the first time when I was way too young to watch them. I think I was like. 12 or something like that, and I watched The Godfather with my granddad. I was like, This film's like, this yeah, because cool. The Godfather, I was the... like, oh, Okay, I'll watch all of them. <laughs> yeah, and the third one was just like, As a 12 year old, I was like, What am I watching right now? <laughs> well, I'm right in
1: saying The Godfather's the one with the horse head, isn't it? In the
0: bed, yeah, yeah, you see, you see, <laughs> he knows things, I know um, things uh but is it, it like so i've never gone back and watched the third one i've watched the first two like a couple times now mm-hmm. um oh man we need to watch the godfather and do a godfather episode that would be good we have, like we should do stuff like watch the classic films that we haven't seen and stuff like that yeah probably like, a, a lot a lot of like the imdb top 250 or something like that like i've seen a lot of them like a lot of the good ones but there's definitely going to be a few in there that we haven't seen
1: yeah i was listening to um someone on a podcast the other week who was basically working through the top 250 on imdb and said that they ended up like li- watching some films that they just they had to watch with just subtitles because they'd like had no idea there there was no english versions of the film yeah and there was some which didn't even have subtitles like just some crazy films that they've ended up watching <laughs>
0: Uh but yeah, yeah, like some that didn't get localized and get stuff. Uh, um got anything else
1: sp- before casting?
0: Yes. Uh, well this is kind of casting, but it's not like like uh like triple A blockbuster superhero casting. Uh but it's to do with the Godfather. I don't know if you had this in your list. Uh, um probably, uh, probably not. It's the uh, so I've So Barry seen Le- uh Barry Levinson <laughs> is directing a film about the making of the Godfather films. Um, so I think it's going to be around the production of Godfather and Godfather Part 2. Um, oh, okay. And so Oscar Isaac has been cast as uh, Francis Ford Coppola, the man himself. And Jake Gyllenhaal has been cast as the film producer Bob Evans, who produced both of them. Oh, okay, that's um, very interesting. And I don't know who's been cast as um, Marlon Brando or Al Pacino yet. Don't know about that casting that's gonna be interesting, especially for like Al Pacino like I think people have played Marlon Brando before, but I don't think everyone anyone's ever played Al Pacino unless it was like in a sketch show mm. um, and with him still being an active actor to this day and then somebody pretending to be him, it's just gonna be a bit weird, but yeah, yeah, like um Barry Levinson, if you don't know him, he did um good morning Vietnam. He did, um was the film that I mentioned earlier? The Bay, uh, the horror film that I was talking about, like the mm-hmm. found footage horror film. Uh, Moonlight. Uh, oh, no, oh, that's Barry Jenkins. <laughs> I typed in Barry and it went to Barry Jenkins. <laughs> Goddamn. Uh, Barry Levinson, let's go back. Um, Rain Man. Rain Man was the film I was talking about. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Good Morning Vietnam. Wow, love that film. Mm-hmm. Um, So, yeah. Um, that's a film that's coming out. (laughs) Cool. Uh, That uh, that's that bit of casting. Um, one last bit before it gets to casting. Uh, We've got our first images of Chadwick Boseman's last on-screen performance. Okay. Um, so this is going to be a Netflix film. It's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So it's based off a stage production from the nineteen, based in Chicago in the nineteen twenties. Um. The description here says it's a chronicle of the 20th century African-American experience. The play is set in Chicago in the 1920s and deals with issues of race, art, religion, and the historic exploitation of black recording artists by white producers. So mm-hmm. it looks like uh, Chadwick Boseman is playing a black singer, I believe, from the photos that we've got, um, obviously being exploited by in the recording artists around blues and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, But this will sadly be his last on-screen performance. Um, It's uh, coming to Netflix, though, so we all get a chance to watch his last performance, which is nice. I don't know anyone that doesn't have a Netflix subscription, so everyone can check out his last performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no.
1: That'll Um, be uh, keen to watch.
0: Yeah. So that's the last bit before... trailers and casting i guess so should we dive into casting
1: yeah so a couple of casting bits we have a rumored casting i think it might actually be confirmed at this point for hawkman in the black adam film that is going oh, yeah. to be Aldis hodge uh he was in the invisible man hidden came figures, out straight out of compton
0: invisible man yeah he's uh gonna be our hawkman he was great in the invisible man as well
1: yeah, I've still not seen it.
0: Oh, it's great! It's a good film.
1: Yeah, like I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, we have Miss Marvel casting. Uh, yes, Vellani. we do. Vel- 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 Velani. Velani. Uh, Velani. Yeah,
0: I'll say that. Yeah, <laughs> Emman Velani. Uh, there's something, there's something like that. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, she's we'll a young go. Canadian actress. I know that much. Yeah, so she's only eighteen. Which is perfect obviously for Ms. Marvel. Absolutely yeah, perfect. Yeah, I think Ms. Marvel is like sixteen, seventeen normally. But yeah, absolutely awesome. Can't wait
1: to see Kamala Khan. And uh, in it's gonna be a Disney plus T V show, isn't it?
0: Yes. Um yeah. Yes, she's literally there's like not much known about her. Um If you play the <sighs> Avengers game, she's
1: in the Avengers game. Um,
0: yeah, sorry, I meant the actress. Um, oh, okay. There's literally, like... This seems to be, like, a breakout role. Like, she's been so lucky to get this cast in, so let's see how she does. Like, I'm super hyped for it. Yeah, like you said, the new Avengers game, Um, Camilla Khan is basically the main character in the beginning of the game. She's, like, your point-of-view character into the story. Um, She's a really interesting character. She, I think she was probably she was definitely the first mainstream uh American Pakistani um superhero. So it's really important thing. She was the first Muslim superhero to really hit the big time and everything. Mm. So Marvel are definitely going for like inclusivity and everything like that, and it's a really important story to tell. Um I hope she gets some on screen interactions with Brie Larson's Captain Marvel. Well, Kevin Feige's already
1: come out and said that uh, reportedly plans on using um, the same actress uh, in both the Disney Plus series and future Marvel films, which uh, means that you might get to see her on screen with
0: Brie Larson as Captain Marvel as well. Yeah, maybe in Captain Marvel 2 we might get a bit of a... But again, I think this is leading up to the Young Avengers. Um, Mm. We keep talking about this all the time. We knew Miss Marvel was confirmed. Um she's on the Champions team with like Miles Morales and Nova and stuff like that which is like a subsection of the Young Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um so it's, it definitely seems like they're gearing up to have a new Avengers film and a Young Avengers film working concurrently. Um yeah. so yeah that uh, like it's so good that we finally get to see more representation from the MCU.
1: Yeah. 100%. Any other castings? Um,
0: yeah, we had uh, She-Hulk for the MCU has been cast as well. Tatiana Misalani, yes. Um from Orphan Black. Um, she is fantastic in that. She's an actress that needs to be in so much more stuff. Um, there's been mock-ups of what she could look like as She-Hulk as well. Um, so yeah, definitely. Um, what else has Tatiana Misalani been in? She's, she was in quite a few films after Orphan Black wrapped. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just do a quick google search in case somebody hasn't seen awful, uh, Orphan Black um, Stronger which was the Jake Hall with no legs film <laughs> um, uh, anything else that people might have seen no it's just a lot of indie films by the look of it um, oh Eastern Promises I didn't realise she was in that back in 2007 Uh, anyway she is fantastic go watch orphan black it's on netflix it's fantastic like she plays like 12 different characters in that show Mm -hmm. and so she's just often acting by herself with like four different versions of herself in a scene and she just nails it everything just amazing so she's going to be great in she hulk really interesting casting like people were obviously tossing about like characters that uh, like actresses and stuff that typically play like these big macho roles and stuff. Like people were saying like Ronda Rousey and stuff like that. Like people who you could see in this role, like physically, but going for like casting like Tatiana Misolana is like a-, a bit out of left field, but she has got the chops to carry a, se- a series by herself. So
1: awesome. Cool. Um, Right, so in terms of trailers, we need to be a little bit conscious of time. We're bordering into our 42 minutes as of right now. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) I'm going to pick a couple of the trailers to talk about, and then we can just get on to Enola Holmes then. So first one I want to talk about is the Sound of Metal trailer, which dropped while we were recording last week um, with Riz Ahmed and... Help me out.
0: And... uh i don't know <laughs> uh let's do a quick google search um olivia cook cool this looks really good this looks really really good like it did like was it an a24 film was it or was that a different no that was a different trailer that i watched
1: no this is an yeah. amazon studios film well it's distributed yeah. by amazon studios yeah um, looks really good. Looks uh, awesome. It touches on uh, a heavy metal drummer's life thrown into free fall when he begins to lose his
0: hearing. But it just looks amazing. Just, it does. Yeah. It look and there's lots of scenes from the trailer. It seems like you you put in his point of view a lot. Like you're not hearing. Like it seemed like a very silent trailer. Like you could hear him shouting, but you could only hear other people talking. Like when he was wearing like hearing aids or um headphones or something like that like he couldn't like you were put in his position which is a really interesting thing to do with a character that's deaf normally you see it from the outside but it seems like they're doing some really interesting things with how they've portrayed it
1: yeah and the crazy thing is this film actually came out in 2019 but it's only just being picked up by Amazon for distribution uh, in the next couple of next couple of weeks is it? Is it... Um,
0: December 4th it's December being brought fourth. to Amazon Prime December um, 4th. yeah it's um, it aired at the Toronto Film Festival last year, so that's why it says 2019 on it. Mm-hmm. A lot of films like this, especially more indie films, they like they it takes a year before they get publication. They they air it all the film festivals and then they try and find distribution after that.
1: Yeah. Uh, next trailer to talk about. Uh, we need to talk about this new Iron Mask trailer.
0: <laughs> we just we just have to because we talked about it last time there was an iron mask trailer yeah which was near the beginning of the podcast and like this trailer came out of nowhere it's like oh this film comes out in like three months and then obviously pandemic happened yeah and, and now there's a new trailer we had some very strong opinions on the cgi for
1: this <laughs> it there's... looks marginally bad. well everything <laughs> apart from that bleeding dragon looks okay
0: yeah, like, the rest of the CGI looks a bit more nailed down. The dragon looks better, but still not great. No. it Like, <laughs> like the, first the trailer, lighting on it is just all wrong. It was just
1: not ready. It was just absolutely not ready. I'm not going to lie. I have no idea what the Iron Mask is about. I don't think this trailer gives you any it's, idea what it's, it's going to be about.
0: Well, it seems like the this entire trailer and the first trailer as well, it makes the film seem like it's about Jackie Chan's character. When the yeah. Iron Mask is the man in the Iron Mask, which is seeing the trailer, and, like... But it seems like... It says Legends Collide, so I think the crossing over the man in the Iron Mask with, like, a Chinese, like, um, tale or story. I can't, I can't think of the word. Legend or something like that. Yeah. Like, because this is, like, a, a production out of China, mostly. That's why it's got a largely Chinese cast and everything like that. They've just brought in the big actors. Like, this is, like... One of the big ones, China was doing this whole thing of trying to launch their version of Hollywood and Bollywood and all that. So they were trying to pump a load of money into the film industry. Yeah. So they got Arnie and they got uh, Jackie Chan because they were like, they're two names that around the world, they'll get bums in seats. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's why the intri- uh, near enough the entire trailer is those two fighting. Yeah. I feel like between these two trailers, we've seen that entire fight scene.
1: So we were talking about Walking Dead before. Um, what about Minari? You have seen the trailer for Minari? What do you think? Oh, I have. Yes. Um,
0: have you seen the trailer for this one? Uh, currently, just watching it. I'm not watching okay. it with any volume. So no, this, has got, this has got this has got Stephen Yu from um Glenn uh, from, the, from the Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Yeah. Um, he was also in um what was that office film? I can't remember now. Um, he he plays a Korean a man who comes to america with his family buys a plot of land and a trailer to start a farm and it's it's a tale about the american dream and asian people's place within uh, american culture and their belief systems and everything because korea is a heavily christian country as well so trying to fit in with the local churchgoers and everything like that and trials and tribulations of being from another country and trying to follow the american dream trying to provide a new family for uh, a new life for your family but obviously like the the quote that I saw in the trailer that really spoke to me was this film's going to break your heart into a million pieces and then fix it piece by piece mm. so i was like the, it seems like a really heartwarming a24 like it gave me sort of the farewell vibes like um a young asian uh, filmmaker going out there and making a story that's important to them um Really, like, trying to shine light on the different aspects of the Western world, like like the multiculturalism of it and, like, other people's place in it other than just, like, a, a white person's place in modern America. Do you reckon so, it's going to have more
1: people in here? Like, I would say more people in here, like, it's physically bums in seats, but do you reckon it's going to do better off the back of something like Parasite because of how well that's been received, and not to say that that purely because of *Parasite* being a Korean film and this being a Korean film that it's gonna be, it's not a Korean film as such, but obviously it touches on similar, you know, there's there's, there's well there's, there's parallels there, well, isn't there? There's familiarity. Yes. Yeah, so, but do you reckon that because of the success of *Parasite* and how it it kind of for a Western audience, it's made it a bit more forgiving to watch more heavily subtitled films for, for Westerners. Than, do you reckon it's going to do better off the back of that? I mean, it looks I like def- an amazing film anyway. It looks like it would have been worth the watch. Also, executive producer Brad Pitt, by the way.
0: Um, Excellent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it's yeah. also sat on an 8 out of 10 so far um, from the early screenings. Yeah, that, I, I was fully like fully agree with what you were saying Um, like uh, um, Bong Joon-ho said in his Oscars acceptance speech like once we get past that three centimetre gap at the bottom of a screen of subtitles you can explore so many new stories and I think that obviously you're going to draw parallels with this being about a Korean family and it is largely Korean speaking film as well so you saw from the trailer a lot of it is because they've just moved to the US they don't speak English that much so they are largely speaking in Korean and it's about like a foreigner's like a foreigner's journey into America and everything like that trying to get it set up and I think I think people having a taste, a more wider accepted taste of Korean cinema will make them a bit more understanding of like uh, an Asian based film Uh, so we had uh, Parasite we had The Farewell in all the award seasons and everything like that so i think it has opened up a lot more people to that mm-hmm. um obviously like like you said like you're not just drawing parallels just because it is like another korean spoken film but you have to draw those parallels at the same time of what parasite did for non-english speaking films winning the best picture at the oscars and stuff like that and yeah like the uh, the amount of money that it made at the box office like people are definitely more willing, they're definitely more open. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it is a Chinese-spoken film or, uh, or Japanese or Chinese or anything like that, like I, th- I think people are going to closely correlate it with it being Korean, but yeah, I think definitely people are more open to this, and I think it, we need more films like this to keep coming out, ones that are getting so highly regarded, and especially with it having... Stephen yun in the lead lead role as well mm-hmm. like he is a face that westerners know now from the walking dead and from other films yeah so like this seems like after parasite this is going to bridge the gap even more with western audiences getting more into foreign language films mm-hmm. definitely Very cool. So I think that's a really roundabout way of saying what I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I got there. You got
1: there, you got there. Um, The last thing, last trailer I want to talk about, because we do need
0: to move on, is Borat. (laughs) (laughs) This came out of nowhere. What? Like, you finally, finally, the last dickhead at a party had finally stopped making Borat quotes. Then here is like Sasha Baron Cohen with a new Borat film which comes out in what 22 days from the day of recording this from the time you're hearing this less than 20 days which is it's actually On Amazon
1: scary like
0: relevant like how oh yeah like it's weird like like I was like sort of like blown away by staged because like in the middle of a pandemic this guy wrote a series shot a series edited it and got it onto bbc and now it's on netflix and everything (laughs) like that but Borat was clearly in production before the pandemic but then halfway through the trailer it's just there like oh shit like half of this like takes place during the pandemic like they were making this film when the pandemic hit so they just kind of kept rolling with it yeah yeah and it's so bizarre to then see like such a big film that was done during the pandemic, which is finished and going out in twenty days. Yeah, very like, strange. It's bizarre to see something also talking about the pandemic at the same time. Like, oh, but it's it's a new Borat. It's going to be funny. It's going to be super cringy. It's uh, going to have so many pretty, new quote
1: references. It's got some pretty funny references in there.
0: Uh, and it's so uh, Sacha Baron Cohen last year. I think it was did. An undercover series where he dressed up as all these different characters and tried to get like American politicians to do stuff, and you see in this one as well, he goes to a, a Mike Pence rally, mm-hmm. um, who, if you don't know, is running for uh, vice president under Trump at the moment. So he dresses <laughs> up as Trump. So you got Borat dressed as, so you got Sasha Baron Cohen dressed as Borat dressed as Trump, like, like raiding one of his rallies. Just incredible, and it's Oh just madness it's gonna be so funny but it just means we're here for another 15 years of borat quotes (laughs) here we go um yeah like i like this caught me so off guard like i saw it and i was like maybe it's just like a clip from the first borat film but no it's a new film and i was like oh my god yeah it does look good though like you think, you think <laughs> Borat would have
1: been a bit a bit worn out by now. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it looks like you could still have quite a bit of fun with it.
0: Yeah, like I think Sasha Baron Cohen's such a great character actor that he he doesn't let his characters outlive what they need. Like Ali G left like when it was right and like he only brings his characters back when he can do something appropriate with the characters. Could like, have, it doesn't seem like just a cash grab. It seemed like he thought of a new good scenario for the character.
1: Could you have ever foreseen that we would have talked about two Sacha Baron Cohen films in subsequent weeks? <laughs> From like last week, I spoke about the brother, uh, the Brothers Grimsby.
0: And well, it's three weeks. The week before that, we talked about uh, the trailer of Chicago Seven as well, which he's also in. Wow. <laughs> well, there we go. The scope of Sacha Baron Cohen, like he's so, like. He's a really good actor. He's a really versatile actor, which people don't seem to give him enough credit for because of characters like Borat and Ali G and stuff like that. People just see his comedic stuff. But then he is a good, serious actor at the same time. Oh, yeah. Defo. Defo. Like, like, I really wish we got his version of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been crazy. Because he was the one writing it as well, I think that would have been such an interesting look at this story of Queen before it became sort of a bit more fictionalized, a bit more of like a Freddie Mercury Jackoff type thing.
1: Well, he was in that film, The Spy, as well, which was quite a serious film. Apparently, was that a film or was that a series on Netflix? Uh, oh, sorry, yeah, it was a, it was a, se- it was a, yeah, it was a series, limited season, limited yeah. series, yeah. Um, but that's that he got quite uh
0: well reviewed for that. Exactly, yeah, like <laughs> but he's done another Borat film, so people are just gonna remember him for Borat again. It it's a weird sort of middle ground that he's in, but yeah, like uh, give me more Sasha Baron Cohen. Also he's a, a weirdly amazing singer. <laughs> Is he really? <laughs> yeah, he, he does like some um like musicals and stuff like that. Guys he, he was the he was the innkeeper in Les Mis as well. Which, the guy is if just, you don't know Lame as yeah. he was the perfect casting for that character. The guy is just so unafraid. He really, really is. Like, like he has got a massive set on him to do the <laughs> things that he does. Like, like I would just be too embarrassed to do any of the shit that he does and he just fucking takes it in a stride. He's like, yeah, fuck it, I'll do it and then I'll go do a really serious part next week just to level out my acting and karma.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. Um,
1: I'm going to say that probably wraps us up. To talk yeah, there's about. a couple
0: of the trailers, but we don't really need to talk about them right now. <laughs> no, no, no. Right, Enola Holmes. So should we do
1: spoilers, non-spoilers, or should we just jump straight in? What do you reckon?
0: Um, I think there's only really one big spoiler that we don't talk about, which obviously it's a Sherlock-like murder mystery. type. Well, not murder mystery, but it's a mystery. Oh, um, okay. With the, uh, so we leave, the, we leave the twist until the end. We'll leave the non-spoilers.
1: Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. So, talking about this film, so what were your initial
0: thoughts? I didn't know how to feel about it going into it. I was like, how much of it is going to be Enola's story? How much of it's going to get hijacked by um, Henry Cavill being Sherlock or Sam Cleflin being um, Moriarty? Yeah. And I was I was like, I, I, was, I really wasn't sure about the film going into it. Like, It looked like a good film, but I didn't know if it was going to last for the two hours, you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't know if it was going to hold its water, but I ended up leaving it really enjoying it, but like, it's a film that I'm probably not going to go back to. I would be alright if they made a sequel to it, but Mm -hmm. I I really enjoyed it while it was there, but it's not left um, the biggest impression on me, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way, like, kind of
1: walking away from it did feel a bit like, hmm, yeah, you know what, it was fine, but when you think about it, there was lots of parts of the film that I really enjoyed.
0: Yeah. It was a really enjoyable experience. And I know my partner, she really enjoyed it. She ended up crying at the end of it, and I think I think like it it was to do with like the mother daughter bond in it. You got uh Helena Bonacarta playing uh Enola's mum. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I think it is very much it seems like a good film for teenage girls to watch, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And it it was good to see Millie Bobby Brown being able to carry a film. Like, this is the first time really she's had a lead role in a film. I know she was in Gods and Monsters, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Uh, Godzilla. But I don't think she was like the driving force of that film. I haven't seen it yet, but it doesn't seem like she was the driving force of that film. So it was no. nice to see her in a role that she seemed comfortable in, like, leading. Like, there wasn't a scene without her in it, really. Mm -hmm. And she nailed it, I thought.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think all the kind of fourth wall breaking and stuff that you have with her really kind of showed off her acting a lot.
0: Um, Yeah. Uh, it, It was good seeing the contrast. Like, she wasn't 11, like... She lost that persona in this, which is like, I thought it was a great role for her to take because it's sort of broken that sort of. People typically only see her as 11 from Stranger Things, but for me in that film, she wasn't all at home. She was like part of the role.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think that you had a little bit of everything. You had a little bit of comedy. You had a little bit of drama. You had a little bit of. You had a bit of emotion. You had a little bit of everything from a character throughout the film. I have a feeling like this Enola Holmes film will kind of go down as like a, you know, it might not be something that does well really now, but it'll be probably one of those things that younger audiences may check out on Netflix and actually come to really like it. Yeah, Um, Especially when you've got, you know, you've got supporting actors like Henry Cavill and Sam Claflin and you know you've got um oh, what was uh, I'm terrible with actors name actresses <laughs> names, um let me get the cast list in front of me. I should get this in front of me. Are you talking about a mum, yep, uh Helena Bonacata. that's it yeah, she uh I'm, I, when I was watching that, I was just expecting Johnny
0: Depp to come out of somewhere, <laughs> 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 yeah, like it, it's weird seeing her in a film that's not a Tim Burton film, yeah. And obviously,
1: you've got then the supporting cast are pretty good. You've got that Burn Gorman, who was in yeah. um, he was in Pacific Rim. Yeah, Pacific Rim. Yeah, I yeah. can never
0: remember his name. I, I only ever remember him as Owen from Torchwood. We've spoken about him on like this podcast before, and I can never remember his name. Never, never once ever remembered his name. <laughs> With a name like Burn, like it's such a weird name. You would think I would remember it, but I don't. He's just Owen burn <laughs> gorman <laughs> yeah um fiona Shaw is in this and she she was great in this uh yeah, she's great she in most good. roles uh, she she was in a trailer that we'll talk about next week uh which she seems fantastic in um a deal yeah i'm gonna say um, yeah he was great in this as well um he only had a very small role but he, he he's good in little roles like that where he just does just a little bit and he always seems to nail it like he held his own like with the cast that he was surrounded by. And um Susie Wacoma. Yeah. Um I don't recall ever seeing her in anything before this. Uh, she's um, done a couple of TV series. She's done, Yeah, a lot of British yeah. TV shows. Um But it like she she took over like the screen when she was in like a scene with Henry Cavill. Like she held her own against him and I was like, okay, this this is someone to look out for in future if she gets more like starts building up smaller roles like this, then she could definitely I could definitely see her like leading a series or leading like a, a small film or something like that. So we need to talk about Henry Cavill. Because <laughs> the jawline himself.
1: Well, I feel like a lot of people were expecting this film to be screen jacked by his Sherlock Holmes. Because it is it is an 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 older Holmes film. But when you have Sherlock Holmes and he's being played by Henry Cavill, you just kind of expect for it to be jacked. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: But he's a very good Sherlock Holmes. He like, was a good Sherlock Holmes. And was. there's been a lot of talk about maybe him getting his own film. Like people are crying out for him to get his own Sherlock film now. I just think people like to watch films with Henry Cavill in them. I don't know what it I is. They love to watch Henry Cavill. Like he's like He's magnetic on screen isn't he? He's like what Tom Cruise was in the like 80s and 90s.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's just you just can't get enough of him on screen on anything in anything he's in in The Witcher in you know even the Superman the he plays
0: in this. He's just great. He's Men just from great. Uncle like Yeah. He's, he's just he, he does good in sort of like established roles, doesn't he? like he he does really good I think we spoke about this when we talked about the Witcher and we, when we've talked about his Superman in the past he's good at taking an established character and just learning to be the character and like he loves playing roles like that he doesn't you don't seem as much taken on like like a, a a character that's never been on something before like if there's backstory and like 50 years of history for a character like he seems to nail those characters which like in all terms, should be difficult to nail because there's been that many different interpretations of him. Mm. Um, But he seems to just be everyone's version of that character. Like, when you think of Geralt now, you think of Henry Cavill. When you think of Superman, you think of Henry Cavill. Yeah. Like, like our generation didn't have the Men From Uncle TV show, but he clearly did his research on the character before doing the, sh- uh, the film, and now whenever I think of, like cold war spy thrillers and stuff like that i'm always like oh henry cavill's good at them and Mm. stuff like that and like but i was i thought the exact same thing is you i was like i hope because this is meant to be like millie bobby brown's big break it's meant to be a film about enola holmes she's the lead character she's the title character they've got to give her the screen time and when when sherlock and uh I said Moriarty before it's not it's uh Mycroft Moriarty's one of the villains in the Sherlock Holmes books. Yeah. Um when they first appeared, like as soon as they got off the train, they were like the main focus of like the next four or five scenes mm-hmm. and like Enola was sort of like sided for those couple scenes, but that was just to set up the stakes of the film. Yeah. Um And I did get a bit worried at that point. I was like, oh no, don't shelve her because that's really not what this character, not what this story is meant to be about. Yeah. And they literally, they used that really well to set the stakes of the film and put it in motion.
1: Yeah. And I liked how they used them, they used both the Mycroft and the Sherlock Holmes character to make her the underdog of the film. Yeah. You got that feeling straight away when they got off the train. Um, isn't it kind of funny that you've had Doctor Strange, Iron Man, and Superman all play Sherlock? Now, <laughs> I was just thinking about this. In my head. It is now that you put it like that. Yeah, um, yeah it really but is. I mean, digressing a bit. So Sam Claflin as Mycroft. Have you seen him in Peaky Blinders yet? Uh, I've seen all of Peaky Blinders, so yeah. Oh yeah, I really liked his performance because there was a lot of parts of um, his performance in this. As Mycroft, that reminded me of his performance in Peaky Blinders, and yeah, he he plays amazing he plays sinister
0: Blinders. gentleman really well, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. I really really enjoyed his performance. I just loved how he was like the the snobby, you know. Uh, I'm I'm better than all of you, even even you know my brother and blah blah blah. And I just liked how he was that kind of good but bad guy. Yeah, all the way through um yeah but yeah yeah so i mean talking about millie bobby brown i think she was flawless in this i think she was really good she really carries the film all the way through and yeah some of my favorite parts of this film is where she breaks the fourth wall and talks to the camera there was a lot of bits like even just like eye contact where it's like fourth wall breaking and she was just looking at the camera to give a reaction to something
0: yeah i think there's a lot of films that do that nowadays, especially since Deadpool. Like the fourth wall break is like it's being used a bit too often, and I was I was a bit anxious about it leading into this, but it worked. The flow of it worked, like the way she was just able to just like reference the camera and stuff like that subtly and stuff, and it it felt like you were watching her recounting the story, and yeah. it, it felt like in like it gave me like a warm, comfortable feeling from like I really liked the Robert Downer Jr. Sherlock Holmes films and like he has a voiceover throughout that all the time and stuff like that and you get to hear what's going on inside his head a lot. And it kind of tied that in for me. Um like it it's got like it feels like a certain vibe that Sherlock Holmes films and stuff give me now. So it mm-hmm. felt like it lined up with that and it made it made her world seem very lived in at the same time, like I thought I thought she nailed it, and being able to play with the camera because she was in every scene, it gave her like someone else other than these often two-dimensional characters. It gave her something else to play off.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, this film, I felt like, like you said, it did give you like a bit of a warm feeling when you're watching it. There's lots of yeah. points where like there's a lot of feel-good moments in it, like um, kind of cheery, happy moments. Uh, the music's really good. In this the way it kind of drives it a lot. There's a lot of focus on kind of it's quite musical throughout, like lots of like almost a bit Disney-ish, if you get me. It's yeah, a bit of like Disney yeah. Disney esque film. Um, But yeah, no, yeah, it, I, I quite it felt liked... like a
0: really charming female driven performance for young females. Like it felt like like this. It's based off young adult novels, so it's based off novels aimed for like 15 year old girls, and it felt like a film. That very much like fifteen-year-old girls should watch. Like, uh, I've seen somebody say that it modernized Sherlock and it modernized like the tales of Sherlock and Enola and stuff like that. It modernized them really well, considering it's set in uh, when uh, when's it set? The eighteen hundreds, something like that. Uh, Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think eighteen hundreds. Like considering. It's set in the eighteen hundreds. It's more of a modern retelling of it. It felt, it felt like um, the Dev Patel David Copperfield film that came out at the beginning yeah. of the year. Yeah, um, yeah. It had that sort of like, like perfect depiction of um, like old London and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like. It feels like a really nice, charming world to be in. Like, it was perfect for an old to be in. And she was modernizing the world as she went along. Yeah. And it was quite stylistic at the same time.
1: Like, I liked how in the intro you had that. It was almost like that paper, not paper mache, but old style um, character perform. I don't know. Like, when you'd yeah, it. Like, people... It was like a
0: puppet show almost as well. Yeah. It? Yeah. It was a puppet it, show. It's like. It... It was something that, like, it reminded, again, it made me feel warm. It reminded me of, like, stuff that my nan and granddad would do for me as a kid. Like, my nan used to do, like, silly puppet shows and stuff like that. And it, it felt like like a child who's, like, you know, like, you're in on a rainy day type thing. And so because she was an only child, essentially, she brought up, uh, essentially, because she was brought up, her brothers were a lot older. So she it was just her and a mum in the house. And she said, like, they it was just the two of them. So it felt like her making her own entertainment, and this is how she would tell stories and stuff like this was with like this little, like, cut out puppet show almost.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool.
0: Um,
1: Shall we move on to just talking about the the actual spoilery parts of the film now?
0: Well, uh, just before we go on to that, I was like, what did you feel about like the romantic esque sort of plot of the film? Because it wasn't. It wasn't, like, a proper romance, but it was in the same way. It was, like, budding young love type thing, like, just flirting with the idea of it, but they didn't make her character, they didn't make her a typical female character of, like, if she doesn't find love in a film, she's not a female character. Yeah. Like, it just uh, flirted with the idea of it, didn't it? It did, but it did feel
1: a bit forced at the same time. It did feel a little little bit bit shoehorned that... I don't know. For me, it felt a bit shoehorned in. I think it, it kind of needed it because I think it needed a little bit of everything. But I don't know. I I Yeah, it was fine. But I don't think that part, that's not the part of the story that was gripping
0: for me. Like, that wasn't what I took away from the film. Okay. Yeah, Um. Uh, I mean, that that's not what I took away from the film, but it was nice that they were able to... I think the plot line of the case that she's following with the Vice Count going missing and stuff like that. Um, I think that was like a really good plot line for her to look into. And I think that was like they they clearly chose like one of the better Nola Holmes novels to start off with. And it did allow them the chance to like give her sort of that that like flirt with the idea of a romance subplot but it's not they're not romantically involved it's just they're like they've got a kinship for one another haven't they so i think mm. it gave him chance to give her like a stereotypical sort of like she's a female lead so she needs like a love arc in the the film but she didn't have a love arc um but the kind of they kind of like insinuated that there could have been one in the future. Like, it sort of left off with, like, oh, maybe, maybe in a later film or something like that. Like, these two characters across paths, yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah. But, like, they didn't lean too heavily into it. Like, they didn't whittle her down to just being, like, you're a female character, so you need a romance. So, while we're talking about this, because it kind of links in a little bit.
1: I was quite surprised at some of the violence in this film
0: when it Yeah, like, yeah, like, Burns' character, like, there was a lot of middle-aged men wailing on a Yeah, we're getting into spoiler territory now, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, There was a lot of middle-aged men beating up a young girl type thing. And I was a bit like, he's really kicking her hard considering he's a young (laughs) girl. But then I was like, oh, but he is like a... hired killer so i kind of guess it like but she but then she holds her own against him yeah i think it was it was a little bit like on the nose sort of like oh she can't master the corkscrew maneuver and then she managed to master it right at the end to take him out like Mm -hmm. like as an older viewer sort of like you see that coming a mile off type thing and it but it shows you like the character arc and the progression of a character type thing but to a younger audience then like that that's what you need to show a younger audience like you see the struggle like it makes it more obvious for a younger audience that it's character progression doesn't it whereas as an older viewer we we know what they're trying to do,
1: yeah, I was quite surprised at the burns character hitting his head the way he did. I legit Oof. thought he had been impaled through the head.
0: Yeah, when I saw. Yeah, me that. and my partner did like we we were like oh and then like when he just sort of rolled off it, it was like oh, it was just blunt force trauma. That's fine. Yeah, that was like
1: <laughs> uh, whoa, this took a dark turn, <laughs> very very quick. I was like, oh no, but yeah. Did uh, you
0: did you pick up on the mystery throughout this film?
1: Um, uh, to be honest, I kind of got to the end, and I was a bit like, I didn't really even think about it. I don't know. For me, it didn't, for for what it should have been in terms of a a mystery film, I didn't feel much mystery. It was kind of the whole whole payoff of, oh, they were trying to get him because of his political beliefs and da-da-da-da-da. I was like, well, yeah, but right, okay. It didn't feel, I don't know, I don't know whether it was the stakes of the mystery wasn't that much of a big deal. I feel the stakes were more about what was going on with her mum.
0: Yeah, see, because it, it's clearly got two plot lines. She's trying to find a mum, and then she gets entangled with this case with the Viscount, and she? Yeah. And, like, that's what I was thinking, like, it feels like the first, like, two-thirds of this film, almost, or half the film... Is the plotline with a mum, and then it sort of gets overtaken by the Viscount story, which mm. I think was good because it, it showed that she was able to hand like a mystery and like all this by herself, and she was able to outwit even Sherlock. Yeah. Which was, which was good for her character arc, but it meant that it lost the plot from the first half of the film, which was finding a mum, which then they wrapped up in the last three minutes of the film yeah <laughs> and that was kind of my problem i
1: think that's why i kind of walked away from minute. i was like yeah it was fine because it was like i don't know whether it just felt like there was trying to be too much put into it or like it, was yeah, trying it felt to do like too- two stories collided in the middle didn't it yeah
0: it felt like it was trying to do too much in um, one film Yeah, too much but not that much, obviously, it's we're not the target demographic. We are older, yeah, so clearly. we would pick up on things a lot more. So, like, like I, I thought the same thing as you, as like, yeah, obviously, like it's his family trying to do it to change the political vote. He's got a seat, so he's got sway in in the decision. And I thought that was very obvious as well. the The surprise for me was that it wasn't the uncle because even like Enola leading up to it thought it was the uncle because that's what the evidence led to. Yeah. Uh, obviously it was a red herring which is where the mystery sort of element comes from which for a younger audience they wouldn't have seen coming until it was sort of handed to them yeah so i saw it i was like oh it must be the uncle and then when it's revealed at the end to be what we thought was the loving grandma i was like okay that's interesting well but let me at ask that you. point the i think there weren't as i think what you were trying to say is there's not much stakes in that story because we already know that the viscount's safe and because we've been following his journey like, there's not really much stakes to it because we know the outcome pretty much, don't we? Yeah, I mean, let me
1: ask you, when it got to that point where it revealed that it was the grandma and not the uncle that they thought it was going to be, did you really care?
0: No, not that much. No, like, yeah. It 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 just sort of felt like a conclusion. It didn't feel like, oh, this is the conclusion of the film. Like, like, I, I think it was more of... Um, and Nola's payoff like she managed to crack the code like she managed to like solve the mystery. It was more of an emotional climax of the film, like an emo- uh, not emotional sorry like like the end of a character arc like she established who she was gonna be in the world um she went from someone who was just trying to chase after her mum to them being her making her own stake in the world by mm-hmm. becoming a detective like a brother yeah um i think it was just kind of wrap up all the loose ends yeah i did think genuinely that he had been shot but then i was like like they're not gonna do that to like this character in this sort of film i was like yeah i was like how has he survived that because i was like (laughs) that's a shotgun from pretty close my question is how is it in the two seconds from burn shooting over the suit of armor in front of him to walking up and pretty much put in a gun to him. Did he get a Chance to unbutton his jacket, take the suit of armor off, put the suit of armor on and then do his jacket back up and everything. I was like I was like that didn't seem really plausible, but it's literal plot armor. <laughs> like it's literal like, plot armor, yeah. Like she, the grandma was lucky that she was just stood just far enough away that that shotgun did not go through that armor because that armor is incredibly thin. Like a shotgun would go <laughs> straight through that and kill him anyway. No, oh, idea. <laughs> Lots um,
1: armor everybody.
0: Yeah. Uh, like like you said, like it's a really good, enjoyable film when you think about like different elements of it and stuff like that. When you're watching it, you're sort of left with the feeling of like okay, yeah, yeah. Like, but when you think about like the performances and stuff like that, you're like, Oh, that was, that was like really good. Like it's sort of like a, a weird lukewarm film until you think about certain aspects of it and then you're like when you break it down it seems like a better film than it was your enjoyment at the end of it.
1: Yeah, and it's probably not a film that you should think too much about. Even though it's a mystery film, I think it yeah. it relies on you just enjoying it and not thinking into it too much. Yeah, I think if you well, think into it too much, I think that's when it starts to think, yeah, no, it wasn't made for people like that. It was made for you, just
0: casual viewing. Yeah, it it was it was aimed towards a like a teenager it was aimed towards a teenage girl so we're not the target audience like like we've seen enough mystery films and stuff like that like that it wasn't really much of a mystery um no. i think it's more of a character journey film um and a younger audience would probably think it's more of a mystery but if 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 you've watched enough mystery films as we have you can put it two and two together within like the first half hour of the film yeah literally right um does that wrap it up uh i think that wraps it up what would you give it out of 10 i'd give it a solid 8 out of 10 okay yeah i i would say for a younger audience it's definitely like an 8 out of 10 for me probably like 7 out of 10 yep couldn't agree more Perfect. Yeah. Right, uh that's it. Let us know what you thought about
1: Enola Holmes. What did you think? Uh would you Would like... you watch a sequel? Yeah. Would you also like to see a spin-off with Henry Cavill in a Sherlock Holmes movie? Maybe yes, a. I would. maybe a Moriarty arc, maybe that'd be pretty cool. Who would you put How as Moriarty? The Who would you
0: put as Moriarty? Oh um against Henry Cavill.
1: Michael Shannon.
0: Oh, <laughs> I, I nearly said Ben Affleck for a second. A I was big, like, "Do we just? Do we just CGI meme CGI it? monster?" <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg, Jesse Eisenberg, <laughs> Army Hammer. More, um, <laughs> oh, actually, I did tell you who I would cast: Simon Pegg as Moriarty. Yeah. Okay, that's a yeah. I'd, okay, or or.
1: Andy Circus. Well we've had uh, we've had Jared Harris. He played Moriarty, didn't he?
0: Yeah, in the T V series. And then you had Andrew. Oh no he, no, was in, no, he was in the film. He was in Yeah, Weber Shadows not Weber Shadows. Game of Shadows. A Game, of Shadows. Game of Shadows. And then you had Andrew Scott as yeah. the Moriarty from uh, the T V series. On the T V series. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think that's why I'm sort of like thinking of like maybe like like a Simon Pegg or like cuz he it, it's sort of like the point of Moriarty in his first couple of stories is like you kind of don't suspect anything about him mm. and like he he's just sort of like a quiet like and he just outbrains Sherlock mm. so i i think that's why i'm thinking like somebody like Simon Pegg is like inconspicuous in that film yeah okay yeah, yeah.
1: that's a, an interesting
0: also interesting i just kind of want to see uh Simon Pegg and Henry Cavill on screen together more. Like when they were in um Mission Impossible, I thought they like bounced off each other pretty well. Yeah, that's pretty fair. It's pretty fair. Right. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, let us know.
1: Um, <laughs> what what were you asking people? Let us know if you'd like to see a spin-off with uh, Henry Cavill's Sherlock Holmes. Would you like to see a sequel? Would you like to see more stories of Enola Holmes? Hit us up. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at GetRealPod. Let us know. You can also email into the show. We will read out letters. I'm saying it right now. If you send us <laughs> we any will. letters, tweet at us. We will read those things out Absolutely, uh, um, if you call us buttheads or something, yeah, yeah, beavers and buttheads. <laughs> <laughs> um, also if Gore-Heads. you checked it out checked us out recently the Witcher episode has been doing well again. People are still listening to the Witcher episode and that was like maybe episode... it's a Henry
0: Cavill thing. Yeah. Whenever we seem to talk about Henry Cavill it seems to do better. Yeah,
1: we're now on like yeah we're on like a, this our uh, most listened to episode it by is. quite a bit. Yeah.
0: And it was what episode 3? Episode 3. Yeah. Like and it, it it's got more listens in like the last like 6 months than it did in the first 6 months of being out very strange i don't know whether it hit some weird kind of algorithm
1: maybe it's maybe- just the uh, the henry cavill renaissance <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> right well, how can people support the podcast chris
0: um support us the best way to do it is leave a rate and review on whatever podcast network you listen to us on um share us with a friend share us with two friends um pod chaser pod chaser i Forget the name almost entirely until I start to say it. Podchaser, if you leave a rate and review on that, it syndicates it to all of our other networks. So that is the best place to leave it. Yeah, just share us about. Get more people interested. Comment on all our socials. Share our, uh, share our socials around. That's too many S's for me to say. Um, <laughs> but share yeah. our socials. Sh- share our socials around with your socials and share with a friends and social, social shows very good what are we going to cover next week um
1: it's it's sad because next week or this week should have been our wonder woman episode and that's really oh, sad. oh no
0: uh, films are never going to come out um oh what uh, i feel like there is something coming out in the next few days um i feel like it's like uh, i think there's some films coming out on amazon and stuff like that maybe or Maybe we could do one of the ideas we got in the back pocket for, like like you said, best and worst superhero portrayals mm, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. We've got a couple of uh, couple of ones. Uh, we didn't do our boys recap, so we'll do two episodes next week. Yeah, we've not watched the boys yet.
1: We, we've we got in a weird habit of recording uh, well, this we... on a Thursday. So when the yeah. boys comes out on a Friday.
0: Yeah, we haven't discussed episode six on the podcast yet. No, we um, haven't, have we? Even though that came out Over episode seven is out by the time people are listening to this, um. Mm -hmm. So we'll do like six and seven probably next week, and then the final episode. Yeah, week after. Um, but that'll just be a little segment of it. We'll we'll take like fifteen minutes to talk about that. Maybe. Yeah, sounds good. I think it's really good. I think the boys is like one of the best shows airing this year. Yeah, we love it, and there's not that many episodes left of the boys either. Two. It's only eight episodes, so That's we've got sad. tomorrow's episode for us. Um and then next week's. Cool. Right. We will catch you next time. See ya. Bye-bye. And that was how I solved the mystery of get real. Ho <laughs> <laughs> both twisting our mustaches that we've got. Ho ho ho. But is it real or is it real? Ooh. Find out in the next episode of Get Real.
1: <laughs> a get Real, a, a game of TV shows.